Thanks for downloading this podcast from Burghead Free Church in Murray, Scotland. We exist to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Our vision is to grow to be a vibrant all-age church of 100 disciples. Find out more at burgheadfreechurch.org. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin... The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Well, if you've uh, closed it, if you have a Bible, then and why don't you open up to Luke chapter 1 again. Normally, in normal days, we'd have Bibles here for you to use, but uh, we can't do that. Nevertheless, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, because everything you need will be on the screen here and on the screen for you at home as well. Let me just say a word of explanation about this um, exciting new journey through Luke's Gospel. Between today and the 27th of December, we are going to cover the whole of Luke's Gospel um, together. That's quite a long book. It's too long for me to preach on every verse on a Sunday. So if you were to get hold of uh, the service sheet every week, you'll see that there'll be some resources on there. Um, So first of all, there'll be the list of reflection questions that we've been putting out every week that you can use either on your own um, or in in small groups to reflect on the sermon that was preached. There'll also be a series of of Bible reading. Um, Now, you might like to um, uh, use this uh, as well as or perhaps instead of uh, your, your normal daily Bible reading. And if you came on a Sunday and did the Bible reading through the week, Uh, By the end of December, we'd have uh, not just preached, but read together through Luke's Gospel as well. And on top of that, each week there'll be a link to a video um, from someone called Don Carson, who is uh, a Bible scholar, um, and he will uh, give us about a 10-minute video each week, which unpacks some of the content. So um, it's in your hands, of course, how how much you engage with all that. Um, But together, we're on this journey through Luke. And um, you could get to the end of December and have a really firm grip of Luke's gospel, uh, which would be a great thing for you, whether you're a Christian and have been for many years, or whether this is all uh, new to you. Enough by way of explanation. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. That's how each Star Wars movie begins. Uh, There are many of them in the franchise. 
Um, if you, you know the movies, you'll, you'll know that um, there are some that, that were made a long time ago, back in the 70s. There are some that have been made more recently. And if you're a bit new to Star Wars, which I have to confess I was, confusingly, some of the ones that were made more recently come earlier in the chronology of the whole story and how it develops. So one rainy day in lockdown, when we sat down with some of our kids to start watching the Star Wars movies, we had to think carefully about which one to start with in order to get the story right. The point is this. It matters where you jump into a story. If you jump into the middle of a great story, you can struggle to understand and appreciate how it works. And as we start these 10 weeks in Luke's Gospel today, Luke is at pains to point out that even though we're starting at the beginning of his book, we are jumping actually into the middle of a great story. And amongst other things today, he wants to help you get your bearings in the great story of the Bible, which centers on the incarnation of Jesus, but doesn't begin there. Now, Luke, of course, it doesn't begin uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. He begins with these words. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, we don't know exactly who this character Theophilus was. He might have been the, the patron who funded the publication of Luke's Gospel. That's how publication worked in, in the ancient world. He certainly seems to be a friend or a contact of Luke's, and he also seems to be a, a new convert to Christianity. He's heard of Jesus. But he needs to hear a bit more to know real certainty in his faith. And so Luke says he has done careful investigation of eyewitness evidence, presented it with clarity to bring us certainty about the things of Jesus. And by the way, if you're new with us today, that is always how faith works in the Bible. You are never just asked just to believe something as if faith was some sort of mystical quality that you drum up from inside yourself. No, no. We trust in God on the basis of who he is known to be because of who he's shown himself to be. In other words, faith is never just wishful thinking. It rests on solid evidence. And so today we begin our journey through Luke's presentation of that evidence and by Christmas time as I said we'll be at the end of the gospel three things to notice today from the passage here's number one Jesus and the old old story we've seen it already Luke's account is not the beginning of this big story for example in the passage that Lindsay read we, we met a priest called Zechariah he and his wife are descended from the ancient priestly line that goes back to Aaron, which calls to mind that the time of Moses, who of course was Aaron's brother. Zechariah serves in the temple, 
Now, if you know the story of the temple at all, well, that calls to mind the whole story of, of God giving his people a land and the temple and the system of the temple in order to worship him and honor him. Although, of course, this is the second temple, which was rebuilt after the exile, which came about because of uh, God's judgment on his people's disobedience. When we're told about the son that Zechariah will have, John, we're told, this is verse 17, that, that he will go about in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, whether, whether or not you know what that means at this stage, it, it calls to mind Elijah and, and the prophets of the Old Testament. Later, we're told that Joseph, who will be married to the Virgin Mary, is a descendant of David. And that calls to mind David, who, of course, was the great king of Israel. And the promises that God made to him that, that one day a king would come in his line who would be even greater still. And if you're here today and, and you are a Christian, I hope that, that you're literate in that whole story that you have a sense of the big story of the Bible and how it fits together, because it's so essential. And if you feel a bit shaky on that, you feel you're not, um, well, hopefully soon we're going to run an, an online Bible overview course. So that might be something you'd like to do. But even if you're new to church today, and most of what I said meant nothing to you, if you don't know the whole detail of all that backstory, you can at least see, can't you, that, that this is a continuation here at the start of the New Testament, we're just picking up the story where the Old Testament ended. And crucially, that means that, that the God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. He's the one who began way back when by calling Abraham. And from his line birthed a whole people who he led into Egypt at the time of Joseph and led out of Egypt and out of slavery at the time of Moses. The same God who brought them into the land and gave them kings and built the temple, the same God who sent the prophets and then warned them about exile and then took them into exile but then brought a faithful remnant back and, and rebuilt the temple and rekindled the hopes that, that God would keep his promise and, and send his promised king to rescue the whole world. That God, the same God, is the one who now continues the story and continues his work in the sending of his son, Jesus. That's the great story we are caught up in here. I say all that partly because I, I think one great problem in our modern Western world is that we have lost a sense of who we are. Our postmodern thinking has, has abandoned God and lost all idea of the great story we are in. But in Jesus, we step into this great story of rescue. And here at the start of Luke's gospel, we find a world that is waiting. Waiting for the Messiah, the Savior, to come. And Luke has set us up from the beginning to say that he has carefully researched the things about Jesus and carefully presented the things about Jesus. And so at this point, with all this preamble, we should be on the edge of our seats to meet this character, Jesus. But we don't. First of all, we meet someone else. And so here's point number two. Jesus and his forerunner. You heard it in the reading. 
There's this priest, Zechariah. He, he happens to be on the rotor for incense burning in the temple that day. He's carrying out his duties. It's a normal day in the life of a priest. If you've been with us, by the way, the last few weeks, think back to what we learned in the Old Testament book of Malachi. Luke is just a few hundred years on from that. Remember, in Malachi's day, priests could not be relied upon, sadly, to be godly. But here is a godly priest. He and his wife are diligent and righteous, it says, and yet they are sadly childless. And then from nowhere, a named angel, Gabriel, appears to him. Very rarely are the messengers of God named, but this one is, which I guess tells you something about the importance of the news that he is bringing. By the way, notice that, that Zechariah is gripped with fear when he sees this angel, don't think school nativity, with stick on wings. In the Bible, that is always the response when people come face to face with God or with his messengers. Anyway, he announces what seems like the highly improbable news that this very old couple are about to have a child. Now this, verse 14, will bring great delight to the couple. No surprises there, I guess, but, but look closer. Verse 14, many, not just the parents, but many will rejoice in his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. John, who is the baby to be born, is not to be, to be filled up or controlled by strong drink. He's not going to be at the booze. Instead, he will be filled up or controlled, you might say, by God's Holy Spirit. So what will this great, spiritually empowered man do? Well, verse 17, he will be a prophet. That is, he'll be one who speaks from God, but not just any prophet. He'll be a prophet like Elijah. Now, if you're new today, this won't mean much to you. But if you have been around as we studied the book of Malachi, that should sound familiar. Because in the book of Malachi, we saw just two weeks ago that, that God promised that before his own arrival on the scene, another one would come, a prophet like Elijah would come to prepare the way. To turn, verse 17, the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. That is almost a direct quote from Malachi. So here's a great man He's filled with the Spirit and he's coming to prepare people for Jesus by turning people, even whole families, back to God. And don't we long for that today? That's the work that we are engaged in as a church as well. That is the, the word that this named angel Gabriel brings to Zechariah, this holy man. <laughs> but Zechariah doesn't believe it. And is famously struck dumb. Even as God is showing his great kindness by bringing a great child to this childless couple, it's a reminder that it is still a fearful thing to deal with the living God. Here's a warning about disbelieving God's words. Well, the greatness of John is stressed here, isn't it? He will be a great man. But having said that, 
John is about to be thoroughly overshadowed. So, point number three. Jesus, the one and only. There's another baby on the way. And in a few short months, there comes another visitation from an angel. So, verse 26 now. Incidentally, this is the sort of thing you read at Christmas, isn't it? I think it's quite nice to read it at a time of the year that's not Christmas and have a bit more time to unpack it. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Again, notice that Mary is troubled. She's pretty terrified, which again is how people respond rightly when they come face to face with God or his messengers. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. And angels almost always have to give that reassurance. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus, and he will be great. So here you see is another child, also unexpectedly announced, and he will also be great. But Luke is now at pains to point out that 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 is where the similarities between John and Jesus end. And Luke's opening gambit shows that John is great, perhaps the greatest of all the prophets, appointed by God himself to prepare the way. And yet, John's greatness pales into insignificance when it comes to the greatness of Jesus. There's all these comparisons Luke is inviting us to make. John comes from the priestly line of Aaron, but Jesus comes from the kingly line of David. John's conception comes about, shall we say, in the conventional way, to spare you the details. But Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. John, like the prophets before him, points to the coming of a savior, but Jesus is that savior. Later in in chapter 2, we we didn't read it, but but when, when Zechariah bursts into song when his baby boy is born... I've never burst into song at the birth of any of ours, but I was kind of happy. Zechariah bursts into song, but the song of joy he sings, you might expect it to be about his son John, but actually the song of joy is about Jesus, the one to whom John will point. And then later, as John begins his work, you might know that's a work of baptism. It's why we call him John the Baptist. He himself says very clearly that his job is just to point on to Jesus. That one will come after him who is greater than him. He's not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. John is great, but in Jesus, God is doing the greatest thing of all. And yet, having seen the greatness of Jesus... There are some things about Jesus' birth which are strangely ordinary, lowly even, apparently seriously insignificant. 
So Jesus is born of Mary. She is a young, unmarried, poor woman, which in this culture put her just about at the bottom of the social heap. She's pretty much the lowest of the low. And by the way, as we, we mention Mary, I think if you've knocked around church for any length of time, I reckon there are two big mistakes we might make with Mary. First, there is the error that the Roman Catholic Church has made. They've, they've turned Mary almost into, into a kind of demigod to be worshipped. They've invented all kinds of things about Mary, like the idea that she never sinned, or, or this strange idea that at the end of her life she didn't die physically, but was just assumed into heaven. And this whole idea that, that you can do penance for sin by saying Hail Mary prayers, and, and so on. All of that is not true. In, in fact, it's tragic. It's tragic nonsense because none of it reflects the picture of Mary we really have in the Bible. In fact, it runs quite counter to the picture of Mary. She is lowly and humble. But there is a second error. And if you're here today with us, I guess you're much more likely to go for this error. And that is just to ignore Mary. Maybe we want to sort of distance ourselves um, from the other mistakes that we just end up ignoring her at all, completely. And that would be a great shame because Mary is a great example to us. Isn't it interesting? When the word of God came to Zechariah, the, the privileged male, the holy man, the priest of, of some status, well, he doubted God's. But when the word of God came to Mary, the lowly, poor, unmarried woman of no status, she believed it and received it. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Anyway, John is great. Jesus is greater, but he arrives in such ordinary surroundings. Not only will Jesus be born of little, old, humble, ordinary Mary... He will also, if I could state the obvious, be born as a baby. Small, weak, fragile, helpless, dependent. And yet for all the ordinariness, all the lowliness of his arrival, again, you can't miss his greatness. Look again at verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus, the name Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. The covenant God of Israel saves. That's what Jesus is here to do. And, verse 32, he will be called great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And later, verse 35, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, perhaps unexpectedly, that, that phrase, the Son of God, was actually used to describe normal kings, human kings in the nation of Israel. And so this Jesus is, is a king, in a sense, in the line of, of national kings, but he's not just any king. Read on, verse 33. End of verse 32, I'm sorry. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, our queen has reigned, I think, for nearly 70 years, the longest reigning British monarch. 
But this is another league entirely. Jesus will reign forever. And so that phrase, the Son of God, that's being applied to Jesus in a whole different way. He is an eternal king who has an eternal reign. And you can add to that that this miraculous virgin conception. Sometimes we call it the virgin birth. Um, but the birth was quite normal. It's the conception that's miraculous. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. And so do you see, you, you can't miss the fact that Jesus is human. At one level, quite ordinary. He takes on flesh. He's born of a woman, just like you were. Born in lowly surroundings. And yet you can't miss the fact that Jesus is divine. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Called the Son of the Most High. Called the Son of God. He is God come among us. God that has taken on flesh. We, we sometimes call that the incarnation. That word literally just means the, the enfleshment of God and his humanity and his divinity they are central to his mission to what he's come to do see as a man he can live the perfect life that you and I have not as a man he can die in your place to bear your sins as your representative and yet as God he was sinless and pure and able to atone for the sins of all his people. So what do we take away today? Well, I hope a sense of excitement. Maybe Luke's gospel is new to you. Maybe reading through one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus is not something you've done as, as like a thinking adult. I hope you feel enthused about embarking on this journey together, this carefully ordered, evidence-based account of Jesus. Remember, Christian faith does rest on evidence. So let me invite you to examine this eyewitness evidence with us. Whoever you are, I hope you'll also take away a sense of awe that our awesome God should make himself so small and so lowly in order to come and rescue us. And I hope you'll take away that, that sense of wonder that, that actually we'll see all the way through John's gospel. That, that Jesus is one who brings outsiders in. Hence the title of our series. We'll see that again and again. He brings outsiders in. Luke himself, for example, is an outsider. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And yet he has come in to know the God of Israel. Mary, the, the humble nobody whom society would have rejected... Or she's brought in and finds her place in the story of Jesus. And throughout the Gospel of Luke, we'll, we'll see the same. Stubborn, runaway rebels, cowardly traitors, enemies of God's people. They will be drawn in to know Jesus and find their place in the story and be welcomed into God's kingdom and saved by Jesus. The outsiders are brought in. And yet at the same time, we will see that the insiders 
or those who thought they were the insiders, the rich, the powerful, the, the religious elite, well, they'll be cast out and turned away. That's Luke's gospel. If you want to follow along this week, you've got some reading to do. You can find that on the service sheet. And we'll pick up where you get to in your reading, which is chapter 4, next Sunday. For now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your grace, you have caused these accounts to be written. Lord, we thank you for the careful exploration of Luke, our author. We thank you for this clear presentation of the good news about Jesus. And we pray that whoever we are, whether this is something we know very well, or whether we've come to church today, or are listening in for the first time, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to us through it. That through this gospel we'd see how great this lowly baby is, and how greatly we need him. And we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Please feel free to share this podcast. And if you'd like to be up to date with each week's talk, why not search Burkhead Free Church on your favorite podcast app and hit the subscribe button. For more information, go to burkheadfreechurch.org.